I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. This morning our Bible lesson comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. With these words to the church he established in Ephesus, Paul is giving some advice as to how to lead them and themselves into a Christian life. Listen to these words. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body, and in your anger do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to the one to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. 
Jesus calls us o'er the tumult of our life's wild restless sea. Day by day his sweet voice soundeth, saying, Christian, follow me. Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden star, from each idol that would keep us saying, Christian, love me more. Jesus calls us by thy mercy, Savior, may we hear thy call. Give our hearts to thine obedience, serve and love thee best of all. That's power, isn't it? <laughs> well, I hope by now we're on our fourth Sunday, our fourth game. I hope you're all board game enthusiasts. Uh, there's actually research out that says that board games are very, very healthy to play. Now, regardless of whether we've taken a look at the game of sorry, we've looked at apples to apples, we've looked at shoots and ladders, Today we'll be talking about Scrabble, and whatever version, whatever um, different things that you learn from the games as you play them, that's kind of secondary to being face-to-face -face playing them, because a face-to-face -face, uh, time together, even around a board game, is a way of building trust and nurturing understanding. In other words, folks, it's a really healthy thing to do. So I just invite you to consider that as you become a board game enthusiast. Um, just to remember, we are going to talk about the game of Scrabble today. And this game is one that either you've played it or you ha have it or you've talked about it. Because the reason I know that, in the United States, three out of every five households has the game extremely popular. It was uh, created in 1933. In 1933, it was created by an out-of-work architect 
who had to spend his time and his skills doing something, and so he created the game of Scrabble. However, he had a resounding no when it came to producing the game and marketing it for 20 years. He had no's. He did create a few games just for family, friends, those that were close. He created them out of his garage and would hand print, hand stamp the tiles. He did all the research on how to give the different game pieces, the different letters of the alphabet, their numbering and worth. He discovered by examining and keeping track of the New York Times that uh, when he would do the research of what letters were being used, that Q is used the least. It's the least used letter in the English language, and so he gave that, there's only one Q tile in a Scrabble game, and he gave that 10 points. It's also the most valuable single tile in a Scrabble game. So you have just a little bit of history about the Scrabble. There's um, so much recognition of Scrabble that we actually, get this, in the United States we have a National Scrabble Day. Did you know that? <laughs> There's actually tournaments around the United States and throughout the United States that play. They have slightly different word allowances that they give uh, for the National Scrabble competition. But they have uh, on National Scrabble Day, it is always April 13th of every year. So you can remember that and play Scrabble on National Scrabble's Day. <laughs> However, one of the things that when we're talking about our words, and for those that might not have a clue what Scrabble is, for the game itself, it is a game that kind of the board looks kind of like um, what might be a crossword puzzle, especially when you begin laying down tiles. Every player selects seven tiles. You don't know what they are. They are letters, but you just select at random. You have those seven random letters, and you are to spell words and count up how many points you receive. There is a word that has in just a regular Scrabble game that came out in the Guinness World of uh, Records. It's oxyphenazone. And it was seven, over 1,700 points. Now, obviously, a word that long would take more than your seven. So you have to be strategic about where you place other letters and words to fit that in. But it's across the top of the board and up there. There are three tiles up there that will triple the amount of your word points. And so that's where you place it. So just for future playing of Scrabble. But when we talk about our speech, words are something that are just very important to us. It's a way that we express ourselves. It's the way that we make ourselves known to other people. It's the way that we share thoughts and feelings and emotions and dreams and ideas are through our words. In, in 2018, 
um, Oxford English Dictionary added 1,100 words to our language. So we continually have more and more words that we are using in the English language. We also, if you ever need an exercise or a workout, talk. You use 72 muscles just speaking. 72 muscles just speaking. And that's not if you're an animated speaker. You would use a few more. So it's something that is very much a part of us. It is all around us. We speak an average of 16,000 words a day. In an average lifetime in the United States, we use 860.3 million words in an average lifetime. We are invested in words. And we hear that they have power. There is power in our words. However, another interesting fact is research tells us, and this was done over a period of 20 years studying a group of folks and their conversation patterns, what they discovered is that 80% of our 860 million words are shared with five people. We have a close-knit group that we share most of our conversation with, most of our ideas. They are people that care about us. They are people that share the same beliefs that we share, generally, and they are people that we believe in and they believe in us. So there's a mutual caring. Five people. As Christians, we may need to consider getting out of our Christian huddle and speaking more to others that we may not even know or others that we do know but don't necessarily share much with. Because Jesus tells us to go into all nations sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? You say it. You speak it. You share the story of Jesus Christ or you share your own personal story of Jesus Christ. What it means for you to have Christ in your life. Maybe the difference in your life before you knew Christ and what your life is like after. Or some way that God has worked in your life. Those are stories that only you can tell. That's what we need to be sharing with others. To break out of our Christian huddle. We hear in the book of Ephesus this morning... I'm sorry, the book of Ephesians, written for the church in Ephesus. But in the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to the people and trying to explain to them what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a child of the light, children of light, as in Jesus is the light of the world. 
And so he gives this description and what we're hearing in our scripture this morning in chapter 4 and these few verses that we have is what it means when we speak. What is our speaking to look like? What are we to include and exclude from our speech? One of the things that you hear in the passage is that there is anger and angry words filter into our life. What you hear from Paul is that anger is natural. It is a part of life. It's something that we are going to experience. However, he also warns that it is a great source of temptation in our life. Temptation to sin. And so we have to express our anger. If we're using words, we have to do it in healthy ways. We are to share the truth in love. So if we disagree or become angry, we are to share the truth in love. That means in gentle ways that do not harm another person. And that's what Paul is talking about. To sharing the truth in love. We are to do those things, Paul says, that will build others up. To build them up, to offer them grace. Those should be our guidelines for what we have to say. It's very interesting. I belong to Rotary And until I was preparing months ago for today and talking about, thinking about the words, Rotary has a four-way test. And we recite it every week when we are together in Rotary. And the four-way test is to guide all that we think, do, and say. And I want you to what the four-way test is we are to ask ourselves is it the truth is it fair to all concerned will it build goodwill and better friendships is it beneficial to all concerned that four-way test has been translated into a hundred different languages it's all over the world It is recited by Rotarians every single month or every single week when they gather. Whenever they gather, it is recited. Folks, as Christians, we need to do just as well. We need to ask ourselves those kinds of questions. Is what we are going to say God's truth? And in expressing that is love, is it going to be fair to everybody, not just me? Is it going to build up goodwill between this person and myself? Is it going to build a better friendship, a deeper caring for one another? Is it going to benefit all of us? Leaving no one destroyed in the wake of what I have to say. We can do just as well. We ought to be doing just as well. Those are the things that God calls us to. I want to just lift up 
two small words, yes and no. 2,500 years ago, Pythagorean said the oldest and simplest words, yes, no, are the ones that we should, are so important that we should spend the most time thinking on these. In other words, folks, our yes and no sets a course for life. Sets a direction for what comes next. And you can think of examples for yourself. We live in a yes world. All that you see around you was created by a God who said yes. This is good. All of us are God's yes. The entire universe is God's yes. Everything that people have invented and created, the the chairs that you sit in, the clothes that you wear, the automobiles that you drove here in, were someone's yes. It set a direction for what would come next. Likewise, the no also sets a course. And in a very positive way of thinking of our no, John Maxwell says that when we say yes and no, we should actually say no and hold out for a better yes. Saying to something that is good and hold out for a yes for something that is best. And you can understand that. I'm sure that that plays out in everyday life. For example, at lunch today, if you're sitting down and somebody's just baked homemade apple pie and you decide you need two pieces of that with ice cream on top, Of both pieces, right? If you're offered that and you say, no, thanks, not not two pieces with ice cream on both. Now, you can take that wherever you want to go, but no to those. You are saying yes to being healthier. If you get home from a day of being out and about or at work and you're just kind of tired But your routine, you're supposed to go out and take a walk or you're supposed to walk on the treadmill or you're supposed to do something to exercise. If you say no to doing that, you are saying yes to being unhealthy. So our no's inform our yeses. And to put a positive spin on it, um, many scholars would say we are to say no to what is just not as good as what God has called us to, so that we are free to say the yes to that. Say yes to the best. Now, if you're playing a game of Scrabble, 
yes and no on play it on the board will probably not win you the Scrabble game. <laughs> However, they are two of the very most important words that we say. And if we say yes along with God, the power of all creation, all that is and is to be, is saying yes with us. When we are echoing God's yes, all of that power is a part of our response as well. That's what being connected and in a right relationship with God looks like. We're going to sing and close the service with the song, Wonderful Words of Life. And I want to just remind you that our most powerful words that we are given and have today are the Bible. It's not just a book. Yeah, it's got a lot of English words in it. But it's a book that is meant to speak to us. It's a book that the Holy Spirit, that God actually uses to talk to us. Do you know that's why there are so many translations of the English Bible alone? Because we all need it said just a little bit differently for it to relate to us, to where we live and what we do. If you're reading a Bible and you're going, I really don't understand this. I don't have a clue what they're talking about. You're reading the wrong translation. Find one that speaks to you because God wants you to get the message. God's a talker. And God wants you to hear what God has to say to you.